welcome to Gig Stories with Music People. I'm your host, Evan Michael, at the Spacement Recording Studio in Los Angeles, California. This is episode number eight, and my guest today is my old friend and former bandmate, Alex Holtz. Alex is a musician and writer now based in Chattanooga, Tennessee. He releases songs under the name Burley Temple and also releases kid songs under his name, Alex Bolts, both of which you can find on Spotify, some of which with my bass on it. Alex recently booked some time here at The Spacement to lay down some new tunes, and we got to reminiscing about some of the crazy stories from when he lived in L.A. and we played in a couple bands together. So I just couldn't pass up the opportunity to ask him to be on the pod. And he was kind enough to sit down for a chat after his session. Just a warning, some of the stories are quite graphic. And there's some talk of drugs and other nefarious activities. In case my mom's listening, <laughs> this might be a good one to sit out. But there are some of my favorite stories. So I'm, I'm really super excited to share this with you. Please help out, subscribe, rate, and comment on the podcast. Follow Gig Stories with Music People on Instagram, Burley Temple as well. I'm at Evan on the Bass and the underscore spacement. Let's get to it. Enjoy. What's up, dude? Good to have you in the studio. Thanks. That was <laughs> some really great intro music. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Did you it play that? I did. Yeah, of course. I did. That was one of my songs. Okay. <laughs> Dude, this is awesome. So this is this is a live podcast in studio number two. Uh, it's good to have you. Good to be here. We it's... just did a session. <laughs> yeah, totally. We're in my studio here in this basement. We just recorded some of Alex's songs, got them started at least, and we're like, hey man, uh, you want to tell some stories? Because basically, so Alex and I go way back. Uh, we played in multiple bands together, and some of my favorite stories are with Alex on stage. And uh, I'm just like, man, let's let's reminisce on some of these stories. So, why don't we start with the big guns? Start start with the big guns. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah. Wow. This is so we naturally started reminiscing about this story and then you were like you know what? we should record this and i was like okay we'll, we'll stop and get ready before we get into all this again so um all right here we go <laughs> deep breath deep breath it starts really tame it was a lovely weekend we'd gone out to the high desert to enjoy some festivities with our friends play some music at a remote location and spend some time in a hot tub under the stars um and all that was going great uh and then uh, I went to bed and I woke up and I went to the bathroom to take a shit. Uh, I can cuss, right? Yeah. Okay. Within reason. Let it fly. Okay. So I went to take a shit and, uh, then I blacked out and I wasn't drinking. I don't really drink very much. Hardly at all. Like I like to smoke weed. Um, but uh, yeah, that I have this problem. It happens every so often. I don't know what triggers it, but like I'll get really ill and I'll like start to diarrhea and like start in my mouth of water like I'm going to vomit. And the next thing I know, I black out. Now I know it happens. And like as soon as it starts, I like lay on the ground and I just wait for like 10 minutes for it to pass. But this was still like one of the first few times this had happened. And so I went to take a shit. The diarrhea starts happening. <laughs> <laughs> the watery mouth starts happening like I'm going to vomit. And then I black out. So when I wake up, I'm sitting on the floor of the bathroom in a puddle of blood 
and I have no memory what happened. And so, like, I stand up and I'm in pain, and I go outside to the not into the bedroom where my now wife is sleeping, <laughs> and I was like, "Honey, something's wrong." There's blood, and she's like, oh, Jesus, what the fuck happened? She runs in the bathroom. She sees the blood, but she doesn't know what happened. And finally, she sees my ass, and I had a torn a giant hole, <laughs> not in my asshole, but in the inside of my ass cheek, just to, like, the left of my asshole. Adjacent. Asshole adjacent. <laughs> <laughs> so we, okay, so I'm sitting on the toilet. I start to black out and fall off, and there's, you know, normally there's a toilet paper dispenser that hangs on the wall. Right. This was like a a vertical one on like a pole right next to the toilet, and somehow when I fell off, maybe I was trying to keep myself back on, maybe I'm like staggering, I fall onto this rod, and it just pokes in, pokes, it tears, literally tears me a new asshole. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's so horrible to even talk about. Um. Oh, God. And then, like, my wife's looking at it, and she, like, starts, she starts understandably to freak out. I was, like, I was scared, but I wasn't freaking out. But then, like, I can't see what's happened back there. I just know that the blood is coming from my ass, and I'm laying on the bed, and she starts to freak out. She's like, oh, fuck. Oh, Jesus Christ. It it looks like a shark bit you. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Because it was one of those really deep wounds where, like, your fat tissue starts to spill out of the puncture. It's like this. Oh, man. It's just so gross. I'm going to have to do a trigger warning at the top of this. (laughs) 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 I'm just, uh, and sorry to interrupt, but just to reiterate, like, we're in the middle of the desert. By the way, I don't know if we how much yeah. we said. At the I said high desert. But I didn't really <laughs> impress upon people. We're like thirty miles away from the city, or not from LA, but from the Joshua Tree City. We're out yeah. in a remote part of Wonder Valley, three hours away from LA. Right. We we called the place the compound, and we we stayed up there a couple times, few times for this like kind of out there bar. Which we could tell stories about the bar too. Oh, oh my god, was so great! It was so cool. It's called the Palms. It's in Wonder Valley. I was yeah. just out there, but they had a private event, so we couldn't go. Oh, but um, yeah, it's super great. They have a guillotine and a big stage, and <laughs> the owners playing a band, and their band is great. The Sibleys, and yeah. then they have a they have a bunch of rental properties because they're like kingpins out there. And right. We rented a rental property. It's got like sleeping for like fifty people and hot tub and like roof deck and like game room and all this awesome stuff and like yeah we were just having a blast yeah we so we brought a few times we brought like a few bands out there yep. to stay out there and then we'd just like book the whole night and then the 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 people that own it the siblies uh they also play it in a band like yep. they have the, the band the siblies so we they would perform during the night too and it, one of the funny things was they also ran they ran the place they they were the chefs and the bartender so when they had had to go on to perform it was just like all right everybody chill on your food like we'll get to your food you know if you ordered at the wrong time you'd have to wait for them to do their set and then break down and put it all up and then get back in the kitchen and oh my god so it was like a two-hour window in the middle of the night the prime time where you couldn't get your food or anything it took us a time to figure that out but that was fine it was so awesome like it's so cool and like when it's time to pay at the end of the night and you're like uh, so how much do I owe you? And James the bartender was always like, uh, I don't know, man, like 20 bucks. You're like, no, dude, 
like yeah. we all ate, like we all had multiple, like can I give you $50? Right. Like, yeah, sure. Yeah, I think after the first time I just started going up to him being like, hey, I had three beers and a burger. And he'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, yeah, right. It's just like, I just make it easy on him. <laughs> I mean, that's just, the, that's we don't know that's the etiquette there. And right. everybody who goes there is like, yeah, you tell him what you ordered, you know, because you're going to be honest. He's going to trust you. You know yeah. what I mean? It's not like LA where, you know, <laughs> bartender's got to keep an eagle eye and like, tally it all up yeah it's not nine dollars a beer out there yeah, definitely. yeah thankfully um anyway so yeah. uh shark bite in my ass and the fatty tissue is spilling out and my ass is in the air and my face is down in the bed and my wife is horrified and screaming and now everyone in the building can hear in the compound can hear so she goes out and gets our friend chris uh and his wife erica they're the owners of the venue that i used to live at we used to play out a lot the echo country outpost shout out echo country <laughs> outpost and then like i still can't see what's happening my head is facing the other direction and like chris <laughs> and erica and my wife and like one by one more and more people like poke their head in the door and go like oh god fuck oh jesus christ and turn around and leave and um so that was agitating me more and more like now i'm like i don't know what did my asshole fall out like are my is my colon dangling behind me like one of those monkeys <laughs> with the red butts oh my god um so we decided to go to the hospital uh it's in joshua tree so it's gonna take a while, take a while to drive there a little while not super long but uh we get in jordy's car and like Jordy's our good friend we play music with, an eccentric dude, much like myself, big mop of curly hair, likes to wear bright pink pants and, like, crazy clothes and, like, crazy glasses, and this is just a cool, eccentric-looking dude. <laughs> so anyway, like, he has to escort me into the emergency room with my asshole spilling out and my wife with him, and, like, I'm telling him what happened. I'm like, please, like, trust me. Like, I was on, I'm not drunk. Like... I sat on the toilet, I blacked out, this has happened before, and I woke up, and I, I think I hit the toilet paper dispenser, and uh, and the doctor's like, yeah, okay, sure. Like, whatever, you gotta tell me, tell me. <laughs> what, what do you think they thought? Like, it was a, a sexual injury? I mean, kind of, I obviously, mean, <laughs> like, it looks like group sex between me and Tabs and Jordy. Uh, but like, okay, if someone has a strap on, my wife Jordy doesn't need a strap on, obviously. Yeah. Like, it's it's not like made of barbed wire. Yeah, hell like, of a, it's, it's silicone gel. It's not gonna impale me and like rip my flesh open. Be a hell of a thrust. Yeah, hell of a, thr <laughs> it's I, a million to one shot, Doc. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't know uh, what they thought, but I know that they didn't believe the story that I told them. Yeah, and like, uh, so then they uh, had to do stitches. Uh, around my asshole to uh, seal up the wound. And so they, I had to lay face down on the gurney and they put medical tape like a, <laughs> on each of the handles and then like strap the tape up to my butt cheeks and oh, like, God. so it would pry my butt cheeks open <laughs> so that like the surgeon and the nurses could like get to my asshole with, with ease. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, we have a gig that night. And yeah, and we had so a gig that night. That's why this is a gig story, by the way. Totally. So the, the night, you know, we were we went up there a night early to to hang and party in the desert, and so this is the night that night, and we have a gig that day. And by the time you're in the hospital, like what this is probably the morning, right? Yeah, the first thing in the morning, obviously, yeah. son had just come up, and I was yeah confronted with that nightmare. Uh, yeah, so like we get to the hospital, and we come home, and like I can't really wear pants at first very well, and then like I've got to sit on a cushion. Uh, and I've, and anytime I take a shit, I have to like 
put a tub, like a little dish in the in the bath or the shower, fill it up with soapy water, and like squat in it to clean my butthole poop oh, out. God, because I can't just wipe it for fear of like tearing my stitches open. I've just got to yeah. like squat in hot water and let it rinse off naturally. <laughs> and I've got to apply uh, the whatever the gel ointment ointments and stuff yeah. and bandages and all that stuff to it. Uh, yeah, you know, and then like what six hours we have show now so uh the show must go on obviously that's the mantra of the biz and so uh we did not cancel our awesome show i played with blackwater and i played with nine band burley two two shows back to back i and just side note before we talk about the show like just I just want to give my perspective of this night when this all went down because I maybe we I'm sure we talked about this like after it happened but it's been years, uh so I there this place has there's like a few different houses basically on the, the compound that we're staying in so I'm in a side house and uh the 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 night prior you know everybody's partying and there's a hot tub and I just remember at some point during the night you guys were, like, playing with all these... Gl- Somebody brought, like, a couple packs of glow sticks. Right, totally. And so you're all, you know, everybody's partying, having a good time, as one does in the desert. And, and <laughs> like, somebody broke open one of the glow sticks, and then everybody's like, oh, cool. And so everybody starts breaking open all these <laughs> glow sticks in the hot tub, and then you got it, like, all over yourself. Yeah, I painted myself yeah. with it. Yeah, you're, like, out in the desert, like, running around... <laughs> In the moonlight with, like, covered in glow sticks. And I'm sitting there, like, I, w- I just happened to not be in the hot tub that time. You know, you can only fit so many people <laughs> in a hot tub. And I just remember seeing this all being like, isn't that shit, like, toxic? Like, oh. is something going to happen to, like, Vols literally is, like, covered in this <laughs> Do you stuff. think that contributed? Well, that's what I thought. So when I I woke up to Tabs, your, your, your now wife... Like freaking out and like just seeing, I I think I think it was a cell phone issue. Like there was like no reception out there either, so that was one of the issues. She was like looking for somebody whose cell phone would work, and so she like comes in and I was like you know had been sleeping or trying to sleep, and she's just like freaking out and like Vols this, and I I immediately think like oh my god he had some crazy reaction to the glow stick stuff. And then I was like, oh, my God, what happened? And he's like, uh, well, Vols, he fell on the toilet and cut his butt up. And I was just like, oh, okay. And, yeah, still, we just had no reception out there at the time. And I don't think they, maybe they didn't even have Wi-Fi or something. I'm going to have to Google it to see if I was a glow stick. But a lot of people were painting themselves with glow sticks that night. Right. Well, yeah, no one else had that. Had, fell on the toilet, and you you had said I've done that was this before. Yeah, yeah this you had, has been a thing, right? So I don't think it it had anything to do with that. And maybe that stuff's not toxic anymore. That was just what went through my mind when I got woken up at like <laughs> at whatever a.m. Um, so I just thought that was a funny side. So we did, and the whole time, like during the day, it took you guys a while at the yeah. hospital, and we're all kind of like freaking out. And the whole time, we're like, well, we're not playing tonight. <laughs> Like, there's no way. Like, we could try to get through, you know, we can get through Blackwater because, uh, you know, Vols plays guitar and that, but but Burley Temple was the other band. You're the you're the front man. Yeah, so my songs, like, I got to sing them. Yeah, so we're just like, well, we're not, I mean, we're not obviously not going to play. And we were even talking about, like, yeah, we could, I mean, we 
if if he's really messed up, we could just go, you know, like, and I'm sure they'll understand, you know, the siblings, we'll pay them whatever, if they need money or something, but the whole time we're like, yeah, there's no way we're playing, <laughs> and then, like, immediately you get back, and you're in a hospital gown, I remember you were in a hospital gown, so you're, you're, you're aired out in the back, <laughs> and we're not shy about showing everyone uh, what was going on back there. And <laughs> and then you're just like, oh, no, I'm going to play. <laughs> and me and Scott, the drummer, our, our bud Scott, is, we're just like, you crazy fucker. Like, <laughs> you're going to play? Uh, can I be honest? I love getting to play. It's yeah. so much fun. And oh, like, yeah. I wasn't as jaded then. It was still, like, so new and fun <laughs> to be playing with my buddies. And, like, you know, nothing was going to stop that from happening. Obviously not. <laughs> <laughs> if something was. Sweet. And, like, you know what? I, I remember that night, and, like, uh, I've seen pictures of that performance, and it doesn't look like I have stitches, fresh stitches in my ass. If I didn't know that what happened, I wouldn't see that pictures from that moment and be like, whoa, that guy's in bad shape. Like, it... Yeah. You, you got, I got over it pretty quickly, I feel like. Well, and I th- even think you still, like... So, for anybody who doesn't know, if you've never seen Vols perform, <laughs> he gets into it. Like, <laughs> he'll jump on tables, he'll be in, in people's faces, usually his tongue's out half the night, <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's he's on his knees a lot, he jumps off stage, he, he's, a, he's a performer. I love to do that stuff, it's just yeah. so fun. So this was a little tamed down, obviously, with butt stitches, but you, I think you were still, like, on your knees at one point, like, doing solos, and I was just, like, marveling, like, Sweet. this Aww. dude is... This dude, like, there's no stopping this guy, <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's sweet. Yeah, man, that was a, yeah, man, it was, a, and you know what's fun is, like, the Palms, it's a big venue, the big stage, not a lot of people there. Yeah. So, like, it's like we're going all out, fighting through butt stitches, we're going to put on a show for, like, our, our 10 friends that showed up. That's right. what I love about it. <laughs> and, like, another, like, 10, 15 randos from the desert. <laughs> it's not like it, like a 50,000 ticket holders at Madison Square Garden. Right. We're going to have to get refunded. I'm just playing for my friends who've seen me play a million times. So Pretty that was much. fun. Yeah. Well, it's cool. It's a, They have, like, a nice little stage out there, and, yeah. like, you're in the desert, and there's something kind of cool about just, like, playing in a stage and then like all around you is just darkness yeah because it's just desert there's just nothing you just see stars in the sky and oh, then yeah. the mountains and the sand are just dark and then like yeah that's yeah. awesome i just got back from there a few yeah. hours ago uh and got to spend all that time out there it was so awesome just so awesome. terrific yeah and you're uh so you have your own project right go in burley temple that's where i post like my grown-up music and i make songs for kids at alex volts uh, is like my real name, and I post I post yeah. them on Spotify and everything under that. Well, I'll put a link in the in the notes for you, sweet. If anybody wants to check it out, but yeah, so really cool, like like smart lyrics. Alex is a writer and he's a lyricist. Thank you, great sir. lyricist. Aww. So, uh, you know, the, both the kids songs and the adult songs. Like if you're if you're paying attention to the lyrics, <laughs> you're gonna get something out of it. And if you're not paying attention to the <laughs> lyrics, you're gonna be really bored. You're gonna be like, damn, these songs only have like two chords. Why are they so boring? <laughs> they are lyric focused. They yeah. are right now. I feel yeah. like everything changes. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we used to rock, rock out, rock out more, you know? and like I feel like maybe at some point I'll do a nice instrumental album. Maybe when Scott gets a talent, we'll do that. There you go. Yeah, keep your eyes peeled for that. 
Well, I mean, dude, there's so many stories that I want to touch on here. I don't know which one you want to you want to dive into next, but like, so Alex and I used to play in in a couple of different bands, Burley Temple and Blackwater Jukebox, and both those bands just were you know it was all about the performance and the and the show and the vibe and uh, everybody used to get into it and Alex was was kind of the the ringleader of that of like trying to get everybody to get into the show i really love the chaos aspect here's what i love is that like so if you go into a bar and you knock all the drinks off the bar they'll throw you out if you like (laughs) if you go up to the patron and you get in his face and you just start screaming or something they'll throw you out they'll maybe call the cops um but if you're in a band they'll be like oh great job Here's like ten dollars. Here's two free drinks. <laughs> a free drink, yeah. Yeah, totally. So like, uh, it's a context that allows me to get to do crazy chaotic shit that like I like to get to do. You know, I can climb on the bar and I can jump off the bar. I can knock stuff over. I can grab some guy by the shirt and push him across the room if I want to. I throwing beers on people. I can do all that, and it's a totally fun and acceptable. So I, I really enjoy that rock and roll gives you the chance to do those things in a safe and like controlled and appreciated way. Yeah, I like that. And it's encouraged, too. <laughs> it's totally encouraged. It makes it for a fun show. And um, so, like, I was naturally the person in the band who wanted to do that. But then once we started having fun with it, everybody, it became a game. There was the right. one where we would run around the stage and try to kick each other in the butt while we were playing. <laughs> and that was really fun. Like, if I'm singing and then, like, somebody sneaks up behind me and kicks me in the ass right when I'm in the middle of singing. <laughs> one, it's like, what band would do that? Obviously, like, that's... The most dick move to do. It's so distracting, but it's so much fun. And like, I would be like, I mean, you have to give somebody points when they pull that off. Yeah. Everybody's definitely got to be in on it. Yeah, totally. You got to be in, everybody's (laughs) got to be part of that party. But then, like, so Susie in particular, uh, one of the guys we played with, uh, we called it the Summer of Susie because he just was newly single and ready to party and go out of control, ready to join me and like egg me on and be like, all right, let's do this thing. Yes. And so, um, we were playing at Angel City Brewery, and uh, it was awesome. It was packed. People were having a lot of fun. And just to kind of get the party started, like, I, I just took all my clothes off except my <laughs> underwear. And then, like, more and more people in the band started doing it. And Susie did it. Uh, but then he broke a string on his guitar, and he didn't have a backup in there. And he wanted it. So he, like, but he had one in the car. So he takes off running out of the venue in his underwear. He throws his guitar down, takes off running in his underwear, and... uh He's gone for a little while. Nobody know, knew what happened. We're like, what the fuck? Did we just lose a guitar player in the middle of the show? <laughs> and then he came running back in, and we hear this, like, kerfuffle. It was awesome. I got to use that word. Nice. Uh, and then he's yelling, and then, like, he breaks free and, like, runs up to this. It turns out, like, he had, he went out this car to get a guitar. He ran back in in his underwear, and obviously security's going to stop a guy like that. So they had, like, grabbed him and tried to, like, detain him and keep him from running into the venue to do whatever the fuck they thought he was going to do. And then he was like, oh, I'm in the band. Let fucking let go of me. Like, fights himself free and gets back up there. <laughs> and, yeah, it was just a wild, wild, wild night. And then we went to play another show after that, Echo Park Rising. Was that Echo Park Rising night? Maybe that this was this was after I wasn't in, I, okay. I, I wasn't playing that night. You weren't playing so. that night. I think it was Echo Park Rising, which is yeah. why we were gonna play another show that night. Which is an awesome festival in Echo Park, and there's just yeah. a lot of music, and uh, it gets super crowded and crazy. So we rolled over to that venue, and we were already half naked, 
And then, like, the rest of the band just took their clothes. And everybody was in their underwear. And we just played the underwear show that night. And there were some funny <laughs> pictures that showed up. And, <laughs> and the thing was, too, I think, like, I was getting ready to, this was, like, when I was getting ready to move. And, you know, we'd been playing together for a few years. And uh, I was getting ready to have a kid and move somewhere else and start a new chapter in my life. And so I was like, let's fucking blow it out. And those last <laughs> few shows, like, I remember the shit was just getting crazy. It was awesome. It was hilarious and fun. And, like, yeah, rolling around in our underwear on the beer covered ground it was so gross and stinky oh, yeah. terrible <laughs> oh so and then like i remember that show Susie like was gonna do something sweet like stand on the back of this chair and then like jump off of it did you see that oh i saw the video, the video of this yeah. oh man i thought he was gonna be paralyzed and so he like <laughs> tries to jump off the chair but there's a low ceiling <laughs> i guess he had to look up so he like launches himself <laughs> into the air goes about six inches and then crashes into the light and the ceiling <laughs> and like his whole body like spasms and all of his legs and arms go straight and then he oh. collapses onto the ground <laughs> yeah it I wonder if we can find the video. I would love to put a link to the video if that still exists because it it looks like he could have paralyzed it himself. It did. It really looked like it, he hurt himself. Yeah. I'm so glad he didn't. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to have Susie on here too. Oh my God. And I look forward to having Jordy on too and just Scott and just getting different because there's so many stories between these bands. But like with Rafa's... I think it might have even been the year before Echo Park Rising, or the or one of the years before, and because that's that's where that show was, and uh, it was so packed. We were talking about this before. So uh, Blackwater, a lot of times that we would because it was mostly the same people in the bands. Yeah. We would do back to back shows with Blackwater Jukebox and Burley Temple. Uh, because uh, yeah, it was uh, they shared all members. And we're you know? friends. We're all going to hang out tonight that night anyway. May exactly. As well play. Exactly. Yeah. All of Burley Temple was in Blackwater. Blackwater and- <laughs> was like Burley Temple plus a bassoon player and like and Jordy and Jordy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So so we have uh, it's this Rafa's Lounge place, and I think I might have even described this on a previous episode, but it's like kind of in a hill. It's this DIY art space that also has shows. But they were at the time. They they've kind of renovated since then. I don't know if you've been there in a while, but uh, there was like no windows at the time, and <laughs> because it was you know this was Echo Park Rising as a music festival, it was completely packed, and so it was just a sweat box. Yeah, and you know small stage everything, and uh, I remember after we were playing back to back shows after the first show, I was already I had sweated. <laughs> threw all of my clothes already and had to play another show and was just like jesus you know like trying to find some gatorade yeah um but that was the night that they had all you know this is again diy art space one of the mics was shocking everyone that's right whenever i touch my lips through it it would shock me yeah but it was so bad that like even if you got close to it it would kind of like it. It was charged, and this is what I wanted. So uh, during during Blackwater, one thing that again, Alex is a showman. We had a bassoon player, and when she would play a solo, she she was all direct in, like mic'd up. But what Alex would like to do sometimes was pick up a mic and put it over the bassoon like he was miking the bassoon. I don't know if you remember doing That's this. right, yeah, totally. <laughs> but he used to do this a lot, and it was just like a funny kind of like, oh, here, pay, pay attention to the bassoon player, you know, it was, right. it was cool. 
but during this particular night, you <laughs> you picked up the mic that was shocking everyone, <laughs> and I was standing right next to Heather, the bassoon player, and so su- so I'm just like playing, and suddenly this mic just starts electrocuting me. <laughs> And I'm like trying to play, like there was, this is a tiny space, packed, small stage, you know, there was nowhere for me to go. <laughs> so there was I'm, nowhere to go. There, there was, was nowhere to go. So I was just being like, <laughs> I was just being electrocuted, just like trying to continue to move my muscles and, and play. And I, I just couldn't get your attention to, <laughs> you didn't know what you were do- yeah, doing. Uh, but it happened a couple times throughout the night where I just was getting electrocuted. And nice. uh, yeah, that's my electrocution story. Electrifying evening at Rafa's typically. <laughs> that was a place where the security guard uh, would smoke all your weed. Like if you were going to smoke a joint, he'd be like, oh, hey, can I hit that? And then he would just like hold it and smoke most of it. And then be like, cool, thanks, dude. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a place guard. where you had to go uh, outside to smoke weed, not because security objected to it, but because they would smoke all of your weeds. So you'd be like, oh, let's go, <laughs> let's go outside. you got to hide it. Yeah, you got to hide it from security because they'll smoke it. Right. And this is, uh, well, yeah, this is pre-recreational. Uh, <laughs> well, it was still medicinal. And like, yes, it was LA medicinal. was default legalized. But I'll, right. this was the first time being back since it's been totally recreational legal. Oh, yeah. And I, there was nowhere to smoke a joint in my hotel, so I just had to stand on, on Grand Street. It's <laughs> like, okay, this is what you want. And then a cop walked by, and my instinct was like, oh, fuck. And then it was like, oh, I guess I can do this. And then he just kind of walked by and didn't say anything. I don't, I think you're still supposed to keep it out yeah. of the street, <laughs> just gotcha. like alcohol, but, <laughs> but they're probably not going to do anything, you know? Like, I mean, uh, I'm like downtown, it's, there's piles of feces and yeah. needles everywhere. Like, I guess I'm kind of low priority. Yeah, you're somewhat showered and, and probably not the the worst thing that he's seen all night. So. And honestly, <laughs> it's kind of on the hotel. I came to L.A. because I wanted to chill out and smoke some weed and uh, among other things. Uh, a hotel <laughs> should have a garden you can go or deck you could go smoke in somewhere, you know, whatever. Yeah, feeling. I don't know. We'll there's, have to send him a... Or at least put an ashtray outside Yeah, they want you to smoke there. That's true. Whatever, I'm not going to put them on blast. <laughs> we'll mention them in the notes. Uh, <laughs> cool, man. I, I'm wondering, like like I said, I feel like I was present for a lot of stories with you, but I would, if are there any stories that I haven't heard? Oh, man. Maybe? There's a or, lot of depressing ones that I want to get into, but just like, right. because like, there are so many great shows, but there's also so many shitty ones where it's just like, what the fuck, man? It's sure. not even worth playing anymore. So we're not right. going to go into those. Yeah. Although I've got a, like, a deep pocket of those stories. Like, remember that really shitty show that sucked so much? Yeah. <laughs> we've all got those. Yeah. It was sure. fun to play power ballads at Power Bell Prompt. That's a good one. Yeah, we yeah. did a set of power ballads and like all dressed up and had like a prom thing and then had some comedians act out some scenes about like a school being torn down and uh, the world famous Camara Wolf, the greatest power ballad band of all time, showed up to play a set to raise money for school. It was so much fun. Dude, that was my first, that was my introduction to like you oh, and right everybody, on. Scott. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, brought me in to that. Jordy I, played on that. Oh, it's again the same. It was yeah, five people, the same crew, and Hobie, Hobie was, was the that. one different. Oh, uh, so much fun, but yeah, that was my introduction to you guys, all, all you guys, and the and the, the Echo Country Outpost where we performed. But but yeah, we did two two full sets, two full all, sets, all power ballads. all power ballads. That's a whole lot of slow tempos. Uh, yeah, 
<laughs> so think, uh, what did we do? Like we did Ziggy Stardust, I think. Yeah, and which is like with some unconventional some picks, but like, right. what are they true in spirit? Uh, but the you know the most fun one that uh, well it's a well I'll save that the Tesla love song poison yeah. every rose has its thorn journey uh don't stop believing cheap trick uh what was that cheap trick song the one that Jordy oh. say oh man i can't I'm the blanking. flame is that what that's what's called the I, flame I, that I sounds think. right yeah did we we did a white snake too didn't the we white snake song here i go again on my own cinderella did we, do did we do cinderella or not we didn't do cinderella i don't think so but the best one, the most fun, far and away, and I had I found a recording of this on my computer like two weeks ago before I came out to LA, yeah. and I was like, oh my god, this is what a blast from the past. Meatloaf, yeah, I'll do anything for love. <laughs> it was so great. That you know what was, was great is like so when I remember that song in my memory before doing that show, you don't know what it is that Meatloaf won't do. It's kind of like uh, I can't go for that, the Hollow Notes song. We're like. What can he not go for? <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's just that there's something he can't go for. Like yeah. there's gonna there's a line and you know, like nobody's gonna cross it. Like I'll put up with a lot, but not that, right? Yeah. And so like in my mind, it was sort of like Meatloaf song was like that. You don't ever know what the one thing is he wouldn't do for love, right? But it's just powerful that like this guy who loves her so much is like there's something he can't do. Yeah. So like, do you remember what it is? They tell you at the end of the song. I don't I didn't I don't. so at the end of the song, uh <laughs> The the woman comes on, sings her part. It's like a duet, and she's like, he's professing his love, and she's skeptical. She's like, oh, I've heard this before from guys like you. You love me so much right now, but like sooner or later, you'll be screwing around. And it was then Meatloaf says, no, no, I won't do that. Oh. And that's what he won't do. He would just—he would never want anyone else. You know what I mean? So that was pretty cool. You get to, it was great. So we—I'm wow. sure that nobody else remembered that either. Yeah. So we built through the song, <laughs> and we get to that climax of the lyrics, and she goes, "Sooner or later, you'll be screwing around." And we had a rest, and we waited, and there was silence before we resolved it. And like everybody in the audience put together and go, "No." No, no. And then one guy goes, he would never do that. It was so awesome. <laughs> I remember that now. Oh, yeah. It totally got me a little teary-eyed when I listened to that. I was like, man, that's, oh, that was fun. Music can be so fun. <laughs> yeah, that was such a fun night. We all, I mean, we dressed up to the nines. I borrowed some uh, white tiger, uh, like, tights kind of yeah. pants. <laughs> stuffed with a, a sock or two <laughs> and uh we all got like wigs and it, it was just you know it was super fun actually was a lot of fun, yeah <laughs> you know when i started playing with my band i was like oh man there's so many amazing songs in the world i don't even want to sing my own songs i just want to play other people's songs they're so awesome and so like the first one was like i'm just gonna play every power ballad i can and then like uh that was my original plan for a band was just to like I'll just learn all the, I'll just get to play all the songs that I really fucking love from whatever genre and like whatever <laughs> thankfully I moved on from that mindset and started writing some of my own songs <laughs> yeah I guess I, I yeah I was curious what I guess we never really talked about what your inspiration was to do that I, I don't know I gotta be honest I mean maybe somebody I played a song that I wrote and somebody was like oh it's a good song and I was like really okay cool I'll, I'll write more <laughs> Nice. That's probably all it took. I was probably yeah. just so deeply insecure about. I mean, I wrote songs. I just didn't ever want to play them out. That's cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, you did it. Yeah. And totally. you're doing it. So and that's it makes awesome. me really <laughs> happy to get to do it. It's fun and to be able to express yourself in that way and like have an avenue to say whatever the fuck you want to say. Yeah, man. And if you're in uh, Chattanooga, 
Chattanooga, Tennessee, where I live now. Yeah. Come see me at JJ's Bohemia. There you go. Probably the only place I'll be playing. <laughs> <laughs> not, and I'm not saying that as a bad thing. I'm saying that as a great thing because JJ's is a badass, awesome, amazing bar and a treasure in our city. Yeah, man. <laughs> Sounds like it. You told me about it. <laughs> That's cool, man. What, uh, what else? So you have, I mean, we're, we just recorded some stuff, so we got some stuff coming out. Yep. What else? Uh, would you like to hip the people to that you've done? I post uh, my kid songs on Alex Volts, V-O-L-Z, yeah. and, um, but I haven't posted one of those albums in a little while because I've been taking care of my kid for the last five years, getting him through this stage of stay-at-home dadding. Uh, and obviously in my free time, I didn't want to do kids' music then. So, uh, yeah. But I've written a bunch. I've got a stack of them to start picking through and make a couple of kids' albums now that now that i have more free time yeah and then i post my adult stuff at burley temple and um you know i'm always posting stuff maybe twice a year i'll post some new songs uh on spotify and all those things nice the last one that i posted was like a bunch of kind of silly word tongue twisters you played bass on one of those tracks yeah and then uh i finished up some new songs a few weeks ago that are more like kind of drake meets pink floyd they have a lot of 808s and electronic beats, but with long guitar solos. Kind nice. Of spoke, sp- spoken, singing, Drake style. <laughs> I'm such a fan. Yeah, what what else have you been listening to? I know you you said you listen to a lot of Drake these days. What uh, else have you been into? You know, I got super into Lil Wayne, and Lil Wayne begets Drake, so, like, they're one and the same, sort of, so, like, because Drake is Wayne's protege, and, like, um, so, really into that, uh, Ollie's uh, Kesha, she had a new album coming out this year, and I always love it. But then, like, last year, well, so the for, like, the when I moved to Chattanooga, which is close to Atlanta, I just got super into trap, rap, all the stuff that's coming out of Atlanta that's so yeah. popular. But now it's been, like, five years of listening to just that. So, like, last year I got into classical music again and started small city classical. I don't want to sound like an idiot <laughs> and generically refer to anything with an orchestra as classical. Uh, Sounds right to me, yeah. <laughs> Whatever. So, like, that's been fun. Uh, back in the Stravinsky is amazing and awesome. And um, I listened to all the Beethoven symphonies and did a lot of reading about them because I just wanted to understand why they're important. There's only nine, so it's not, it wasn't huge right. mountain climb. I could listen to each one several times. Me and Jordy listened to the ninth out in the desert. That was great. Oh, Talked nice. about that. Um Ravel, super awesome. Really like him. Those French ones are super dope. Uh, Camille Saison was super dope. Everything I listened to from him was great. WC, uh, we were talking about the whole tone stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's just an endless. Yeah, music's awesome. I don't care. There's so much. To, and like, even just like, I love listening to the local stuff in Chattanooga. And there's so yeah. many great local things. Uh, Yusuf Latif, the horn player, did so much jazz. Roland Hayes was one of the first black singers who got to code tour Europe. And so there's a lot of recordings of like his early singing. Uh, and he was from Chattanooga. Um, Clyde Stubblefield, funky drummer. Oh, yeah. From Chattanooga. Nice. Usher. Chattanooga. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And like those are the big name like uh musical acts. Uh but there's also just the people you see in the street, like uh or people you see in the street. People you see at local uh, JJ's. Heavy Comforter is a band I've really been into lately. Baby Mother is a phenomenal rapper. The Bohannons are a great local band in Chattanooga. There's just like uh no shortage of interesting people. Nice. Plenty of generic shit too, like any city, but there is a great court, really awesome, talented, passionate people. Awesome. That's awesome. So I, I was, I'm wondering if you have any advice for like writing lyrics because you're just like such a prolific writer, <laughs> ah. and I'm just yeah, I'd be curious if you have any advice for that. Oh man, 
boy. I really like to write lyrics, probably more than music. I'm more interested in that. And like, yeah, I've, I went to school for writing movie stuff, and I write those. I did some for the Sci-Fi Channel, and then um, one called Psycho Go Go that's being shot right now. That's like a horror musical, and then one that was, just got shot that is being edited right now called Britney's Missing Phone, or Britney Lost Her Phone. I can't remember which title we went with. About a time traveling smartphone. Nice. That sort of derails the development of early America by addicting everybody to porn and radicalizing their beliefs and destroying society (laughs) (laughs) do you know when those are coming out uh that's probably gonna come out at the end of the year like november or something that was the estimate and uh psycho gogo is being shot right now i might get to do some music for that too we'll see oh that'd be sweet oh yeah we were talking about britney's phone i was talking to the director he came out to wonder valley we got to hang out and talk and i was like oh can we do like a song we were talking about music for it i was like at the end credits could we have a song that sings the end credits like <laughs> directed by Vito Tribuco and written by Alex Bowles. Like and he was like, fuck yeah. So I'm gonna do that. We'll see if it works or not. It might be so nice. stupid you can't use it. <laughs> be a long song. Yeah, right. Well, we're not gonna read all the gaffers. Actually, right. it was a really small production. We could oh, probably okay. read all the gaffers. Okay, fair enough. There's probably like twenty people that worked on it. <laughs> Total. That could be fun. Yeah. Um yeah, so, like, I really like writing. That's just by my bag. So, like, um, I don't think I was afraid of doing that when it came to writing. I think it's just writing songs. Not Maybe afraid is kind of, like, not the right word. But I think it's intimidating, especially if you, people just like to write music to try to explain yourself in words. Uh, and it's intimidating because there are so many great lyrics, you know what I mean? And, like, you had to practice writing bass for a long – or playing bass for a long fucking time before you got, like, confidently awesome at that. And, like, anything, lyrics probably the same way. Um, So I feel like maybe sometimes for people who are more on the musician side of the spectrum versus the like writer side of the spectrum, like it's intimidating. It's not fun to sit down and write words, especially because they're probably early in the game going to come from your personal experience because that's what's going to motivate you to write words. And I feel like these songs that we were working on now are more personal. They're about my family and stuff. But for the most part, that's not really what I write about. I like to write makeup stories. I like story songs and like kind of like fantasy songs not like wizards and shit but like right i don't know making up a story or like seeing a story in the newspaper and writing a song about that or something like that's cool but myself but maybe that's why i can i feel like i write a lot of lyrics because like i look for a lot of like if you write sad songs about your breakups and let's say that's your bag like you got to be in a perpetual state of breakup or just not be writing songs. <laughs> right. That's a good point. I don't know. Or be like, yeah, Taylor Swift. And now that she's like married or in a long term relationship, she just writes about fictitious breakups. <laughs> Is that her, right? <laughs> her new album. I was listening to it and I was like, because my niece loves it. It's awesome. She loves Taylor Swift so much. I was like, is she still fucking singing about break? I, I, <laughs> and my my niece was like, oh, no, this isn't really her breakup. This is, this is about a fictitious one. Oh, Christ. Really? But I guess that's her brand, you know? You're not going to go off brand. Yeah, I guess if that's just, yeah, like you said, that's her brand. Totally. It, <laughs> you know what? It gets shticky. I mean, yeah. Jordy, we're talking about, like, hearing Drake when he's, like, in his 20s singing about uh, doing the Gatsby of uh, hip-hop shtick where he's like, oh, I'm so lonely. I just need the right girl, baby. Are you her? Uh, <laughs> and then, like, but now he's, like, almost 40 or whatever, like, in his 30s and, like, has a illegitimate kid with an adult movie star. Like, we know that's not real. So you can drop right. that shtick. You know what I mean? Like, what was great about Drake was that he seemed so brave and so honest and so vulnerable and so willing to talk about himself personally when he started. Right. And now, even though he's great and I still love him, like, 
it's like he's not really describing Drake. He's describing the fantasy Drake. And so, like, I don't know. It's a little less intimate. Now I'm rambling. No, that's interesting. I think that's that's super interesting. It's just sticky when they write the exact same songs about the exact same emotional states. Like, oh, it's been like 15 years. Are you still like sad about your breakup? Or like, oh, it's been 15 years. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I like it when an artist develops and grows and like as you grow older, they grow with you and like, I don't know, like not Axl Rose, basically. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I don't want to get you started on Axl Rose. But, but like, <laughs> not only does he like write the same kind of, like he just like, he's going to dress the same. He's going to try to right. sing the same and it's just going to be corny. I don't know. Whatever. Doesn't quite look the same. Man, we detoured so hard <laughs> through Drake and Taylor Swift and we started with like, how do you write lyrics? And right. It's like, basically, don't be afraid to grow up and change and talk about things other than your own pitiful, miserable self. That would be uh, my lesson. But That's I feel good. like a lot of singer-songwriters sing those kind of songs. And man, it's yeah. like rappers talking about money. You better have something fresh to say if you're going to cover that lyrical ground because it's been covered so much. Like, right. It's hard to say something clever and really good about it. But Jason yeah. Isbell we were talking about. Oh, yeah. That motherfucker, that's a singer-songwriter who can write about things like you know, relationships, but he doesn't do breakups, but like relationships and love and all that stuff. And man, yeah. he can find an interesting, real cool perspective to share. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about that. That's that one of those albums, like half the songs can make you cry. Like <sighs> first listen. It's, it's just awesome. like, <laughs> it's great. Wow. How totally. did he do that? How did he tap into that? <sighs> John Mayer said that uh, Jason Isbell uh, lives in a place where great songwriters only get to visit. As a dumb quote. <laughs> wow. I thought that was pretty good. That's cool. I like that. <laughs> what I'd be curious, just and I don't know how how deep you want to get. Okay. But I, I know you gotta I know you gotta run here soon, and I, I appreciate your time, man. Totally. Uh, but just like you know, I I, I feel like music, your relationship with music, because you have you're you're a writer, and now you've got a family, and you have all these things going on. And when you were in L.A., you know. Uh, versus versus now, like music is is like a a source of I feel like passion for you and an outlet, but it, I don't know if it's ever if you've ever seen it as like this is gonna be how I make my living. Or no, anything. absolutely right. not. Right, that's what I figured. Yeah, and like I can't put the that kind of pressure on it. Otherwise, right. I would never make anything. Right, because none of it's gonna be popular. Realistically. Well, a million to right. one, but that can't be the <laughs> determining factor in whether or not it gets made, and more critically, yeah. whether or not it makes me happy. You know? Yeah. Well, and I guess that's a good point too. Whether it's you know how is it at at what state is it going to make you the most happy? And like, I guess I it, it just if you have any thoughts on like how it's how it's kind of weaved through your life as because I know I I felt like when you were in L.A. you were kind of getting jaded. You know, right. we, we've talked about that, and I don't know if it was more of the city it or the, the music the scene. The city, the music scene. Okay, so music has always been, like, a thing of joy for me. Writing has always been, like, I went to school for writing movies, and so doing that, it was, like, kind of kills the joy of it. You're doing this for work. You're right. writing on a project you don't give a shit about. Like, it's probably going to be bad. You're getting some money. You're trying to meet some people and work ahead. So, like, uh, but I never played outside of my bedroom. Like, we have all these shows about, stories about playing shows and being crazy and wild, but I never played outside of my bedroom until I was in my 30s. Oh, wow. Yeah. I guess I didn't, I don't, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, it's, it's, it seems super strange because you know me as a guy who goes and plays shows. But, like, I think everything was so critically dissected with writing. And the joy is 
just trampled out of it that like I just wanted music to be fun music to be something that made me happy so it was just yeah. like I'm gonna sit in my room obviously being insecure is another thing and playing in front of people takes a lot of courage and you know being confident enough to do what you want to do the way you want to do it yeah um but then when I I got really jaded and burnt out on writing it was terrible it turned something that was fun and something that sucked and I hated uh and so the, at that point I just kind of gave that up but then I started playing out kind of like who gives a shit uh, and I had so much fun. And then it became, it was still like, this is 100% for fun, but it's the playing out that's fun. It's getting right. together with my friends and cranking our music up and like throwing beers at people and like slamming around. And like, so that was fun. And I did that for a bunch of years, or for, not a bunch of, honestly, not very long, probably five maybe. Like, yeah. I was doing that a lot. Uh, and then just the LA, man, ungrateful bars. It's hard to like, there's just a supply and demand thing that makes it really difficult to like play for new people or the traffic right. and like the location you can't tour because it takes too long to get to any city in this side of the country. Uh, so you can only play in LA. So I just got, I just, there were, there was only one venue or two venues I like to play at. And so it was like, basically I couldn't go do the, the thing that made that made it fun anymore right right. So then I moved to Tennessee uh, and I don't have a band, but like, you know, my kid goes to sleep. I have time to do my own thing. And so, like, I mean, I put a bunch of music out. I read a bunch of songs and posted them all. You know, nobody listens to it. I don't even bother to tell people anymore when I post them <laughs> because who gives a fuck, you know what I mean? I don't know. That sounds terrible, but... It's just more for you. It's more for me. If someone hears it, that's great. But I don't want to feel like I got to post this shit on Facebook every day. Listen to my album. Listen right. to my album. Listen to my album. Because sure. I don't ultimately care if someone listens to it. I don't want to pollute Facebook anymore with any of that spammy garbage, you know? Sure. Uh, yeah. And the other thing is I make a lot of music, so, like, by the time I've made this thing that I've finished now that's being mastered, I'm going to post in a couple of weeks, like, we're already working on this. This is more fun. Like, I don't give a shit about that anymore. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. It's been written. It's done. But, yeah. um, and whatever. It sounds like, I mean, honestly, it sounds kind of... Pretty like a pretty healthy relationship with music now. <laughs> I feel that way, and also you know what else was inspiring? Lil Wayne and Drake, because like Lil Wayne and Drake changed the game, and then it's like you don't spend a year making an album, you don't spend a year promoting it, you don't spend a year touring it. Right. You just constantly put, you just write music and put it out, and like it's streaming. Nobody fucking pays for it. If you paid thirty dollars to buy a double CD of Scorpion and half the song sucked. You'd be so pissed, but because it's a streaming, you put the ones you like on your playlist and you just throw the rest away. But like the the effect is there's the accumulation of the body of work. And maybe I don't like some of those songs on Scorpion, but some people do. And like when you look at his discography 10 years down the road and you're like, fuck, man, dude put out an album every year with 20 songs on it for like 10 years. That's an awesome body of work so like i got inspired by that and i was like i'll probably never have like a hit single but i can have like a bunch of good songs where if 10 people liked it those 10 people could go through and be like damn that was a good one you know yeah so that's kind of my vibe with it that's cool <laughs> man i you know when you were talking there just kind of shook loose a, another story uh, -oh. uh that maybe we can kind of close with so you're talking about you know mostly playing playing in la when you're out here so you and Scott had this idea that, all right, we, we want to play South by Southwest. <laughs> and now you're trying, I think you're remembering. Yeah, totally. So, but you didn't, I, you know, both of you uh, at the time are like, well, I don't, I don't know how we're going to, you know, pull this off. Like we, we were pretty new. 
right. I think as a as a band as Burley Temple, and and it hadn't put you know you guys hadn't put together a tour before or anything right, like totally. that, but you, uh, had a connection where we could play at this house party uh, in in Austin for South by Southwest. It's not a you know, part of the festival technically, but there's a, there's a ton of like shows. That's just the way it is. Yeah. It's just music everywhere. And it's this like yearly barbecue that has a ton of bands and had the connection there. So, so (laughs) you guys are just like, let's do it. Like whatever, whatever we got to do, let's just, and the, the idea initially was like, all right, we're going to, we're going to kind of scope it out this one year. And then like, when we have more time the following year, we'll like book a tour around it right, and like right. play. But for this one, it was just like we're just driving straight to Austin, <laughs> and we're driving straight back. And you know, you're asking me if I I would do it, and I'm like, <laughs> well, I don't have anything going on that you know three days or whatever. Um, so I was like, yeah, why not? Sure, you know. Little did I know it was gonna like turn into one of the hardest like tour schedules uh. <laughs> quote unquote because literally uh you guys didn't want to stay didn't want to like stay any in any hotels or anything because nope. we we could stay we money let's be well, let's, money, let's, yeah. let's call I mean, it sure. like, yeah let's be well, you could be candid about that we're <laughs> fucking broke no money it was a it was there was a budget there was a strict budget <laughs> and hotels were not in the budget and uh and so we we were we could stay at the house that was having the barbecue festival, which, you know, I mean, <laughs> there was like 30 people staying there. Totally. Was Everybody like this, was doing that. They're like, sweet, we can stay there? Great. <laughs> yeah, there's all these bands, and there was all these like skateboarder guys because there was like a, a big skateboarding event there too. So it was just like a whole house full of, you know, and I brought, I think we brought like air mattresses and stuff, you know, because there's only so many couches, right? Uh, so... We literally drove from L.A. straight to Austin. And here's the thing. So we've talked about it a little bit. Bulls and drummer Scott, big marijuana enthusiasts. Now, we got a little freaked out. All these people were telling us, you know, this is a while back. I forget how many years ago this was, but a little bit stricter. Maybe they still are strict about border crossing in Texas. And all these people were telling you guys and telling us, like, don't bring anything across the border, you know. And both of you guys are like freaking out. Well, what? How am I? How am I going to? You know, like, how am I going to get through this trip? We're going to have like twelve hours in the car, yeah, and then like four days or three days or whatever. No, I guess it wasn't that long. Two days. Uh, that is amazing, though. Either way, that like whatever. I'm about it, to get sidetracked. Say, I had to go get weed once we got there and find it, and that was an imperative. Even though we were there for like two days, I still we, spent the whole time trying to find weed. See, you're even exaggerating because I remember this because it was such a crazy, ex- <laughs> crazy schedule. We were in the car for 24 hours straight. Jesus, we that we sucks we so spent bad. 23 hours in Austin, and then we drove 24 Whoa. hours straight back. Yeah. I remember that. Because I was like, we spent less time <laughs> in Austin than we spent in each of the drives individually. So that, and I barely slept and was just like, uh, it, was it was crazy. Awful. But one of my favorite things of that story. <laughs> so, and by the way, like the first couple hours of that drive, or even like the first few, were like awesome. You, were, you know, you guys are just like joints and just like. You know, like we're pumping music and we're like, we're going on tour. This is awesome. <laughs> and then, you know, that's like 
three hours in, we're just like, shit, we got another 21 hours, you know? Fuck yeah. But so, yeah, like maybe halfway through that drive is when we're going to cross that that Texas border. So we're like trying to hatch a plan so you guys don't like, you know, die of lack of weed or whatever was going to happen <laughs> <laughs> or just rip my head off. So the the brilliant plan was, all right, we're going to, we're going to, we had, they had a bunch of weed. So they, the idea was we're going to stop at this McDonald's <laughs> near the border and just bury a, ba- a plastic bag full of joints. <laughs> for, so at least on the drive back for that yep. last stretch, brilliant. We, we'd have some weed. Brilliant. Which, by the way, totally worked. It totally worked. It totally worked. But so, the funny part, and that was that's already entertaining, but the funny part was... <laughs> I remember that you were like, well, they're they're probably not going to search us, right? So <laughs> why don't I do this? You're like, I'm going to make one joint and I'm going to hold it in my hand. Do you remember this? Yep, totally. And it, you're like, well, I'm just going to hold it in my hand for when we get, when we stop, cross the border. And if they're going to search us, I'll just pop, I'll just eat it. I'll just <laughs> pop it in my mouth and I'll just swallow. <laughs> we can dispose of one joint. We can't get right. rid of a bag of 30 exactly. joints. But exactly. we can get rid of one joint. Right. Which was, I mean, it was pretty, pretty brilliant. So the whole time, and by the way, you know, we're already, <laughs> we've already been in the car for 12, 15 hours, whatever, and we've got a whole nother, Texas is so huge. Yeah. We've, already, we've got another 10 hours or whatever it is. So we'd been holding on to that that one little light of like, okay, when we get past this border, which was going to be, whenever we left, it was like, it was like 3 a.m. or whatever it was. But it was like, well, at least we'd have this, we're going to have that one joint to get us through. Uh, the, the, so we were kind of holding on to that, 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 uh, that light. And we, we, we pull into this, uh, you know, to the rest, to the, to the border, border crossing. And, it was like 3 a.m. or something like that. And right when we pull up, there's a car. There's only like one car there. And it's like completely like they've emptied everything. And first, I, I'll tell this first from my perspective. <laughs> because we pull up and like Scott just kind of like slows down and comes to it. Like it starts coming to a stop and the guy just waves us right through. And, like, both of us just kind of, like, he just kind of gives me this look, like, yeah. Because right when we pull up, there's this car, like, that's empty, and we're like, oh, shit, this is, you know, maybe they're going to, we've got, we've got a car full of gear, and we look, you know, you got a huge beard, and (laughs) we don't, you know. But anyway, guy waves us right through, and Scott just gives me this look, and then, like, as soon as we're, like, 20 (laughs) feet away, he just starts banging on the wheel, like, yeah, you know, and, uh, and we're just, like, screaming, and we're all excited, and then we're we kind of like stop, and I look around, and you just went, I ate it, <laughs> and and both of us just are like, what? And you're just like, I got freaked out and I ate it, and it was literally silence for about an hour <laughs> after that. <laughs> Can I go? I'm going to touch on one thing you may have forgotten in okay. regards to my paranoia, and why well, we pull up to the gate, <laughs> and I've got the joint in my hand, and I see this. Car stopped right there. Okay, realistically, I should not have eaten the joint. I should, <laughs> I should. But here's why I was so paranoid. So in addition to the bag of like 30 joints, uh, I also brought four hits of acid to, oh. for there. Do you remember that? 
But then I got impatient and I ate all four hits of acid uh, in like the first two hours of the drive. I do so remember I was, you doing that and trying to guide you through like getting uh, some fast food. I just couldn't I, talk. I just remember being in a fast food line and you were just like, can you order for me? <laughs> I was like, yeah, man, I remember, what do you want? <laughs> like, I got up to the front and I'd been practicing what I wanted. So yeah. I'd say just one word. That's all I'd do is say one word. And I said, like, chicken burrito. And she was like, <laughs> we're, out of, we're out of that. What else do you want? And I was like, uh, 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 I just turned around and walked away. <laughs> and I think you walked up to me and we're like, can you order for me? <laughs> I just, dude, I was out of my mind. I was just in the backseat laughing for so That 24 yeah. hours was a long time, but the first like 16 flew by for me. Well, yeah, because you were on acid. (laughs) I was just giggling. Anyway, so we get to the border checkpoint, and I was not in my most, like, uh, uh, astute mental state. I couldn't assess the situation properly. (laughs) I shouldn't have eaten the joint, but considering how much acid I'd already eaten, it made sense to eat the joint, too. (laughs) Yeah. I just, yeah. (laughs) Awesome. That was so much fun. Yeah. It was... Uh, yeah, it's fun to to reminisce in the moments yeah. on that trip was pretty rough. You also were able to sleep in the car, which I was not. Really Scott able was to. also extremely pissed that I took all the acid. Oh, yeah, I could see that. Well, no, wait, he wasn't going to take the acid. That's right, because he had to drive. Right, that makes more sense. So th- I don't think I would have taken all the acid if. Well, I I mean I I don't take acid, so take I, it was all it was I all you. I, I think you were just gonna use it throughout the trip, and you were the just trip, like, and I was yeah, just like, yeah, fuck it. it. We got twenty four hours to do it all, and you're just like vibing to music for a couple hours, and then you passed out, and I was like, this is an easy trip for. <laughs> <laughs> but well, yeah, that was a blast. That was fun. I gotta say, I love acid. It's just so much fun. <laughs> I never get to do it. I have a kid. Uh, but man, on those special occasions, like this weekend or this week when I was in Wonder Valley, I got to do it again. It was so fun. I just look at the stars. Sure. What a blast. That I, well, and I didn't know if you wanted to mention that, so I didn't, but on the, the, the <laughs> yeah. butt stitch story, uh, I Dude, believe acid was involved for you as well. <laughs> if, if you probably, if you couldn't deduce from the visual you mentioned right. earlier, I was streaking through the desert covered in uh, glow stick, glow stick material. material. I was on acid. Yeah. But um, the acid and passing out when I'm shitting uh, and, uh, and vomiting, I think I had some kind of food issue that I've had before. And then sure. like, I don't worry, I don't pass out and fuck myself off the butt with a toilet paper dispenser <laughs> when I'm on acid. Oh, that was the other thing is uh, that was funny about that was you were saying if you would have died, <laughs> you wouldn't have been able to, to explain. All your friends would have thought that you you died trying to fuck a, a like toilet paper <laughs> dispenser. Yeah, if I had died and y'all would have come in and found my corpse like impaled on the toilet dispenser or the paper dispenser. Oh god, there would have been no explaining it. Tabs would have been like, who did I almost marry? Right. He could have told me. I'm, I'd, I'd support his sexuality. It's pretty rock and roll death, I guess. Yeah. Pretty rock and roll story either way. Totally. They were a lot of fun. Do you have to think about all those stories again? Yeah. Dude, thank you so much for thank doing you, this. Thank you, yeah, a little handshake well, there off mic. Lean mic. Off the mic. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Awesome. Bye. Later, man. <laughs> <laughs>